And today's guest speaker, we have Dwayne Good, co-founder and president at Tribal Credit that raised over $43 million up to date. And in this episode, we'll talk about their most recent fundraising of Series A and also how they came up with this idea. And later on, we'll move on to talking about metrics that startups can indicate that there is going to be a future high growth. Uh, so Dwayne, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Tribal Credit. Great, great. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's really, uh, really exciting and fun to be here. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm one of the uh, folks here in the startup community with gray hair. I've been uh, in uh, banking for quite some time in financial services. Uh, I, I've been working heavily in this this uh, space of payments and had several senior roles with very very large banks and some of the largest Visa, Mastercard issuers over the years in a variety of roles. I've worked pretty much across operations, uh, credit, uh, strategy, and uh, technology. So I had a pretty broad background. And then throughout my career, I was lucky to just get to meet with some really great people and have built up networks along the way and uh, giving me both experience within, you know, within large corporations. And then I had a chance to work with some startups through all that time. And so I had that Kind of perspective of working in both uh, large corporates as well as in uh, the the world of small startups, and uh, about five years ago I retired from HSBC where I was part of their global team, and uh, at that point I just started to dig in deeply into the startup economy. I, I was working very closely in my backyard with some some folks up in Silicon Valley who uh, were you know were working with with startups and the startup economy, and. Uh, then, you know, following some of that work, I met my co-founders uh, of Tribal and was just lucky to get together with some of the great people that, you know, were looking at the same same opportunities I was. And uh, that's kind of the background on where we, you know, where we started. Nice. Started in the backyard, just like it should be in Silicon Valley. So let's actually start with that, with what you mentioned earlier, gray hair. So you worked most of your life in uh, big corporations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that transition? You know, when you just started working on your own startup, what were the major troubles for you there? What was the you know, major problem for you transitioning from working at a big company to working at your own company with, you know, two, three people around you? Yeah. I mean, so fortunately I was... Through, through my career, I, I did have a chance to work with a few startups. Um, I had moved around in a, in a couple of big banks, uh, but at, at different times, I helped uh, launch a uh, you know some startups throughout that, and so it gave me a little bit of perspective around uh, you know what it's like when you don't have all the support infrastructure and large uh, you know resource pools that go with a big company. And uh, what I found in you know jumping to the startup world is just, you know, the hardest part is often addressing the life commitments you may have already made, um, you know, the commitments to family, spouse, mortgages, car payments, et cetera. And, uh, you know, this is often why I think it's, you know, some of the best time to go to work in startups is when you're very early in your career and just getting going, uh, you know, you don't have necessarily all those same commitments yet. And so it just makes it a lot easier to, to be able to jump into a startup uh, before these things pile up. And then the you know the other time that's really good in in my case was just at the other end later in my career, um, I you know my last role was probably eleven years I think with HSBC, and at that point uh, it was it was a lot easier to kind of um, go back into the startup world where you know in some ways you take a little bit more risk, 
Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, going into a startup, you also have a greater ability to influence and have an impact on your business and, you know, the opportunities you're chasing. So some ways you get, maybe it's a little bit less risky uh, when you have that kind of direct influence over the, the you know, the opportunity that you're, you're working on. And so, um, you know, the, the, I found it uh, just really refreshing though, to, to see it from both sides and, you know, joining the startup has just been great because there's a lot of energy and, uh, uh, you know, the other people that I'm working with just bring a terrific uh, perspective and energy to the, to the job. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, that's what startups do. They're just more fun than corporates, or at least I think so. Maybe it's because I never worked at a corporate, <laughs> so I don't really have the perspective on the other side, but I can tell you for sure that, yeah, starting early on in startups is pretty fun. I can say that as someone who did it myself. So, uh, let's talk about tribal credit a little bit more. Uh, what does tribal credit do? Uh, can you just describe both general idea behind it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tribal's mission is really uh, to provide accessible and transparent payment and financial services to SMEs, and uh, you know, really focusing on SMEs, uh, you know, small medium enterprises, venture-backed startups, high-growth businesses that uh, are really you know participating in kind of the new economy, if you will. And we we focus very much on some of the pain points that these companies have especially in the post-COVID world, where there's just a really big need to spend more and more online. Uh, you know, so many companies today uh, that are, you know, startups and uh, SMEs are still very dependent on, you know, being able to gain services from the big tech stack. So they, they usually have their cloud computing, they have their subscriptions for technology infrastructure that they're building on. And then they're also often doing a lot in terms of uh, digital advertising, in terms of acquiring customers and getting engaged with their customers through, you know, the Facebooks, the Snapchats, the Instagram, and et cetera. And so um, those are those are the um, types of pain points where, or the types of services that these customers need. And very often they're pain points around their ability to get access to products that let them, uh, you know, get on those, those platforms. So the, the, the credit card is typically the, uh, the easiest way to do that. And uh, what we've seen in, in many markets around the world, and especially in Mexico, where we're very focused, is that um, it's very difficult for early stage companies to often get access to these services. You know, traditional banks often require small businesses and corporates to have um, at least several years worth of financial statements. Um, and so what we often see are people having to use personal credit of the founders to be able to qualify, or they're using friends and family cards or just their personal cards really to, you know, to, to, to get started. And, and that can be a real hassle. And so uh, what we do is we just really you know, deeply understand the founders of the business and we make that a lot easier. And then we've gone further to really build out a, a digital experience uh, so that we, we make it um, very easy for our customers to engage and get our financial services to be able to our card and financial services to be able to grow their business. And then we give them a rich digital experience so they can democratize access to their payment tools within their organization. So um, we allow them then to create cards for their colleagues, cards for different campaigns, the different kinds of things they need to be able to make their payments on. Um, and we just allow them to spin up these services very easily within their within their business. But you know they they're they're able to set the controls however they want that for their own organization. So it really just 
gives them access uh, to the payment methods and services they need to then be able to, uh, you know, scale their business. And uh, so, so, you know, that's really what tribal is all about. We're really helping small businesses and venture backed startups, uh, high growth digital companies grow and scale and get access mm -hmm. to payment systems. And then we're, you know, once we have the credit approved for them, we work with them to provide them not only the card, but also payment rails for other services, payments like SWIFT or SPAY payments, other kind of electronic payments, what they can use to uh, pay their suppliers and contractors and so forth. And then we really back it up usually with, uh, you know, flexible payment terms up to, you know, 45 days or so or more that give them a ability to, you know, scale their business more quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. So after this description, the only thing that comes into my mind is Brex. Question is how 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 what are the major differences between between you and Brex, and how do you present it to investors specifically? So I'm pretty sure that investors very frequently ask that question. You know, how are you different from Brex, or how do you compete with Brex? What's your answer there? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think they've done a you know a, a wonderful job with you know at Brex, and uh, you know we we're, we're quite familiar with them, of course. And, uh, you know, we, we, there are similarities, but of course, we think we, we also go a little bit further. So I think Brex has historically been really successful and focused on uh, developed markets and, uh, you know, the U.S. And I know, you know, they've expanded into some other markets, but where, where, we, where we see the opportunity and the pain point even greater is in emerging markets. And so we're very much focused on bringing these kind of services very ethically with, you know, strong strong features and, uh, you know, very transparent uh, pricing to emerging markets where we see the demand as being very great. And um, that's a really big difference. And operating in emerging markets just comes with different challenges that you don't necessarily have in the more developed markets. So we have to dig deeper around understanding the customer base, understanding, you know, the founders and the teams. And then building out capabilities that work in these kind of markets where, um, you know, the banking infrastructure is just different. And so we don't really um, directly, you know, interact with Brax or compete with them. Um, and that's one of the big differences. We just go further in terms of how we, uh, you know, how we go to market. And then I think we also um, have brought in a full, full suite of services around uh, that relationship with the customer. Mm -hmm. Emerging markets, big topic. A lot of the U.S.-based companies start to expand to those emerging markets, specifically to Latin America. Question about that: What's the major problem about you know going out of the United States while being based in the United States and trying to capture other markets in completely different countries? Yes. So um, we we come from the pretty deep background in you know working in different markets so i i had spent many years you know throughout my career working in uh international banking and with you know in other places so um had a pretty good exposure to operating in in latin america as well as uh different regions of the world and so has our, our founding team my co-founder and good friend amr shadi had a prior entrepreneurial experience with the endeavor network uh, which is a, a large entrepreneurial network in, in emerging markets and had previous uh, startup experience in Egypt and the Middle East. And so we really came with that perspective of the kind of challenges companies face in, in, in emerging markets. But, you know, that being said, you know, the, the, we, we, we see the, the, the challenge in some ways being greater, the pain point that our customers face, but we see every day just really fantastic companies and great founders in emerging markets 
that uh, you know have raised money, that have great products and services, that have momentum and strong teams, uh, but but you know when they go to get a you know access to a lot of financial services, it's still very very difficult. You know the products aren't very robust. It's very often that uh, traditional banking kind of products in this space are very. Um, they're often priced very high. The functionality is often got has some limitations and is not very digital rich, and doesn't really uh, meet all their needs. And again, it often is based on initially on their personal liability rather than that of the company that they're building and trying to scale. And so that need exists not just in you know the U.S. and Europe, but uh, in many uh, in many other markets around the world. And mm-hmm. in America, we just see a very you know uh, we see a lot of great companies. Uh, that are you know doing really fascinating things, and so that's that's kind of the the you know the opportunity we're trying to solve. Absolutely, hundred percent understandable. And now let's move on to the major topic of the entire podcast, which is fundraising. So let's talk about the four three plus million dollars that you've raised up to date for Tribal Credit, and let's start talking about where you've started this fundraising. So when was the moment when you're like, okay, now Tribal Credit, we need to raise X amount of money for it. When was that? Was it when you've first built your MVP? Was it when you just you know decided that it seems viable, it seems like people like it? Or when was that moment when you were like, okay, now is the time to go out and raise money? Yeah, well, um, it's really a journey, um, an ongoing journey. And so there've been different stages through our life cycle when we've uh, raised money, right? So uh, we had raised some funds in pre-seed back earlier. I hadn't mentioned it, but some of our roots go back to efforts that really built out some scores and insights around the startup economy. And so originally we started, the company started in 2016 um, as a result of a research project that had looked at startups and the characteristics of successful startups. And around that, we had built out some scores on founders, founding teams, and then the VCs and partners and that whole ecosystem. And so um, that was where we originally built out a lot of insights uh, around the startup economy. And and then we've used those now uh, to give us an edge in tribal where we have this uh, you know, over five years now of uh, insight on you know, how early stage companies perform and grow, and uh, you know that data is just getting richer and that insight as we as we grow, and that's really just helping us uh, you know serve our customers. And so the original funding was you know we raised some seed funding or pre-seed funding really uh, uh, when those scores were first developed, and then we in 2019 we really uh, closed our seed round. And at that point, we had uh, identified the idea to really, you know, not only like we we'd you know made these scores available to VCs and some of the leading banks in the startup economy that use our our services, but uh, we realized that it probably made sense for us to, uh, you know, solve this bigger problem that we saw for for early stage companies in uh, emerging markets, and really just eat our own dog food, so to speak. And so we um, in 2019 decided to raise the seed round and launch tribal. And we, at that point, we, we closed the seed round around the end of 2019. And that's really what carried us through 2020 up until this latest raise. And um, so that was enough money at first for us to really do a lot of beta testing, confirm that uh, go to market, gather a lot of input from customers, 
using our products and services. And uh, COVID happened in the middle of that, of course. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, like everyone, when the pandemic first started, we, you know, we had to assess what that meant for us. And it was obviously, uh, you know, a bit alarming back in March and April of last year. But what we found was that uh, COVID actually accelerated our growth um, as so many companies, you know, went into digital and, you know, they, either they were digital to begin with or they really just doubled down on their digital strategy. And so we saw really uh, a strong uptick in the spending of our platform because it's, it's so geared towards helping payments to those, you know, tech stacks and digital advertising stacks. And so we had to pull up our Series A and we really started uh, fundraising for our Series A uh, towards the end of last summer. Um, we had planned to, you know, wait a little bit longer, but the, the growth rate was, you know, warranted going earlier. And we uh, we started at first really focused on the equity side and then realized that it really made sense for us to add some debt to the uh, to the raise as well, because, um, you know, the debt helps us in, in some other ways. And so we, we really uh, pursued, you know, these two different classes of investors, uh, you know, both offering different needs and capabilities. And uh, started that at the end of last year, and then closed, you know, earlier this year. And we're really using the, uh, you know, raise the equity side of the funds to really build out the team, the engineering, product, customer success team, uh, where we're really, uh, you know, focused on continuing to bring more functionality to innovate, iterate, uh, expand the product. And then we raised the debt round largely to help us uh, fuel the credit that we can extend to our customers as they begin to scale. So we brought those two things together. And that was the fundraising effort that we undertook uh, last year that, you know, we closed up just recently. Uh, so that was really the cycle that we went through recently. But as you know, you're, to some extent, you're always fundraising and thinking about your next round. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Always fundraising, always thinking about the next round because it's just usually it's just about milestones that you have to achieve to get to that next round. Um, so let's move on to the last subject of today's episode, which is indicators that can be found in the startups. So a lot of what Tribal Credit does, from my understanding, is you know, watching the startups uh, or growing companies and seeing where they're going in terms of, you know, based on their spendings, based on the revenue that they're making right now, et cetera, et cetera. What are the major metrics that indicate the, you know, future basically growth of the company or near near growth that's coming? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Phrasing yeah. is horrible, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll, try, we'll try to cover it on both sides. Um, you know, there, there are just so many things that matter and, 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 and we see that um, we see a number of factors though that really stand out, and we we do capture a lot of insight. We're always studying the market and looking at companies in different industries and geographies, and you know trying to really understand uh, you know what's working and what isn't. But you know some of the things that really stand out from our research and 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 experience has been you know first and foremost is just the really the strength and quality of that founding team really matters. Uh, we, we look for complementary skill sets um, and, you know, just, you know, who are the founders? What experience do they bring to the team? Um, you know, where, they, where, where are they coming from? And we, we, we think that is very, very predictive, especially in, you know, insightful at the very early stages. Um, the other thing that kind of relates to that very closely is just like the network and the mentors or relationships they may have. So, um, it's the founding team, and it's also often the advisors, 
and VCs or investors that are, or angel investors that are, you know, in their early or the incubators really have uh, a significant impact on, you know, the kind of uh, signals that can, can, can reflect on a company that's, it's, that's very, very early in the life cycle. As a, as a little bit of time goes by, of course, for most small, you know, startups, there will be more more signals that come off from that business on, uh, you know, what what niche they're in in terms of the industry, the geography, what problem they're kind of trying to solve, and 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 we 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 certainly can tell from you know where they are in that at that point, um, we we see some signs that'll indicate you know the momentum. And a lot of it will can tie to like their initial funding. You know how how strategic were they about you know where the, where they were in their first their first steps, and then like the early signs of momentum that we 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 watch are closely around the other people that they attract to their to their network and their their customers their suppliers where they you know where they fit in the ecosystem, and uh, you know there's you know one of the things that. Uh, we live in a very transparent world today uh, as, as businesses where your customers, you know, can speak very clearly on you know, how, how they find the experience. So we, we're often monitoring and watching uh, what may be the feedback on the app stores or the, um, the um, social media you know, followers, feedback, reviews, things like that all can kind of reflect on, you know, in today's economy where things are so digital can really reflect on how a team is doing and how they're growing. And those all uh, give us an indication on how a business is doing and what their prospects are for continuing to to grow and scale. And then I guess, mm-hmm. Constantine, to the other side, you know, on the, on the, on the flip side, you know, things that can kind of indicate a potential problem, um, you know, obviously, we're we're looking on the positive side for a very strong product market fit, for growth, for good you know unit economics, healthy industry, um, you know all those kind of things that uh, you would think of as being essential for a startup to be successful. But then on the downside, it, it, it's also the opposite of that. Um, we're you know we do think that you know many times uh, it's it comes down to the cash and the runway that early stage companies really need to have. Um, you know, an, a focus and attention on how they manage their cash. They need to be lean and thoughtful, and uh, especially given that they're typically not really revenue positive. Most, you know, it's rare that we're seeing a lot of companies that are entirely bootstrapped. There's, you know, this is, I guess, the fundraising podcast, and there's usually some investor dependency there. And so if you're going to be investor dependent for a while, it's super important to really understand your burn rate and the um, runway, you know, how, the burn rate being, you know, how much are you net burning each month and how much cash do you have and where do you stand on that runway? And obviously you wanna push that runway out far enough that uh, you have the room to maneuver, you have the room to grow your product and customer base, uh, but you know, typically you're not gonna have so much money that um, uh, you know, you're, you're not yet you know, cash flow positive and independent. So we really look for a company being able to show that they, you know, they have an understanding of their cash flow and manage that effectively. And so as long as, as we're seeing like good signs and, you know, reasonably good management of the cash flow and uh, revenues of the company, we, we see those are, are as very positive. 
and uh, you know the red the red flag kind of signals would just be the opposite. You know, and if we see founders leaving, it can it's not always a bad thing, but it's certainly uh, something that'll you know requires you know some some attention. And then it's uh, if we see any signs of loss of momentum in terms of like customers uh, or you know customers negative customer feedback things like that can be red flags as well. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, I think user feedback, customer feedback that can be found online is super crucial whenever we're speaking to someone new. If their product is out, if they already have some bad users, first thing we do is speak with founders, of course, then we speak with their customers and just, you know, try to see how hungry they are for this specific solution. So yeah, definitely on the same page here with you. And now that we'll cover that, um, one more question about the metrics and indicators specifically, are there any specific indicators showing that, you know, this company might be acquired soon? Is it you know, maybe, uh, another acquisition in this field, maybe, uh, some growth in a particular metric, or are there any particular indicators that can tell you, you know, this company, I'm pretty sure it's going to be acquired in maybe a year, maybe two. Um, you know, I, I don't have too much signal on that. That can become really, um, specific to the particular market where a company's operating in. And, and, and normally like on the acquisition, you know, like when a company's being acquired, um, on, on the, on the exit side, it can really depend on what the nature of that acquisition is for whether the acquirer is buying market share or whether they're really buying a complementary technology or um, or if they're just maybe buying, you know, um, the team. It just really depends. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, factors that come into play on that side. But I do think that ultimately most companies that are you know in the market and are trying to you know if you're if you're running a business it's just super important to be able to show that you have strong attention to data i think that just the fact that we're talking about metrics i think matters and and and, and remarkably you know it's not always the case but i think just using key key metrics to drive your businesses is often well rewarded and you know in terms of helping your business grow but also if you are considering strategic exits, um, those are the kind of, you know, the, having a good grasp of the metrics and a historical view is, is really important. And then the kind of things that we we see focus on often have to do with the size of the target addressable market, uh, the TAM, and then just what kind of uh, growth rate, you know, the fundamental growth rate that is there. And then as you as you have your growth rate, it's also really important to be able to see what kind of expansion or churn do you see or contraction do you see with your customers? So there's often a lot of focus on are you, are you as you're adding customers, are those customers growing with you? Are they increasing their spend or do you see contraction and churn? And, you know, sometimes you see that in net promoter scores, uh, you know, where you're really capturing surveys and, you know, feedback from customers. But sometimes it's just, you know, to the extent you can see stickiness and uh, expansion. So not only are you growing customers, but customers are those customers that you're adding are actually growing their their business with you are the kind of things that can lead to really powerful exits. Um, whether or not the exit is, you know, through another round and you just take it further down to towards eventually maybe an IPO or you're taking it towards, uh, a, you know, a strategic sale. Those are the kind of factors that I think people are going to be looking at very closely. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Again, on the same page here with you. Um, so last two questions then before we wrap up the episode. First one is actually, Going back to the very first round that um, 
tribal credit raised for your, from your own perspective, what were the major factors that you were pushing towards investors? So what were the major selling points of tribal credit when you were raising your pre-seed round? Was it you know, the extremely experienced team? Was it the uh, a lack of uh, such, you know, online banking in uh, uh, third world countries or developing economies? Or what was the, the thing that you were trying to push towards the investors? Yeah, I think we, um, I think we, it was all of that, but I think we often started the conversations around the problem or the opportunity that we saw, you know, depending on how you think about it. We, we, we really were pretty thoughtful around how we targeted potential investors. And I think this is something that's wise to do is just to be strategic around who, who you're targeting when you're fundraising. And we started often with really looking at investors and, and seeking discussions with investors that shared a good appreciation and understanding of the, the magnitude of the opportunity, kind of this problem of really great companies in emerging markets having a very difficult time being able to scale and get access to, you know, really modern, rich financial services and functionality uh, to grow. And and so so we really often started with a discussion of that basic view that this is a very big, big market. It's a very growing market, and uh, the way it's being served today is just suboptimal. And so we often would start with that problem, and and then our view on that solution is is, is frankly what we're building at Tribal. And so we would then, you know, assuming that we had done our homework, we were often talking to investors that had firsthand experience and and could see this firsthand, uh, you know, how clunky and difficult it would be to get, you know, reasonable financial services that aren't priced, you know, uh, with a lot of punitive fees and hassles. And so to the extent we were talking to the right investors, they shared that that recognition of the problem. And then as we talked about the solution, we we had done a lot of work, not, not really to talk about the solution in the abstract. We had done a lot of work in the seed stage of really building out the platform and had a lot of momentum, even in our seed stage on acquiring a lot of customers, being able to see how customers grow with us. Um, building out functionality to expand not just the card, but the other kind of payment rails that and other services that we offer around that. And so being able to show a pretty complete view of the vision of you know, how we can really you know, radically improve the experience for these companies. And, uh, and at that point, we often would have a team, you know, investors, hopefully if they were you know, serious and saw that problem, they saw the opportunity and the, you know, the, the vision that we were trying to share around you know, how, how, how we could change this and really help great companies grow. And at that point, then it was often then the conversation to turn to how and you know how how are you going to be able to achieve this vision and 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 why why you guys why why should we invest mm -hmm. in you? and at that point then it really comes down to the team um, you know if we've done our homework and explained the problem and the opportunity well and if we've explained our vision for it, it was really then often you know who are we as a team and why do we have a right to win in in this market. And at that point, I think it was, um, you know, fortunately, we had a very, very terrific team. I'm, I, I couldn't be more um, honored and humble, you know, with the co-founders and other members of our team, because we just, from the start, um, tried to build a culture that is, you know, is very ethical and built around, you know, values of performance and respect and uh, a passion for the, you know, the opportunity. And so when we, you know, we talk about our team, it was evident that we had, um really deep understanding of the regulatory and compliance considerations, the legal considerations 
that we had a really deep understanding of the customers and the pain point that we were trying to solve, and that we had a you know a, a strong understanding of how you know banking services and credit really need to work in order for a sustainable long-term business to thrive. And so it was really going through that sequence, I think, of the problem, the vision, and then here's a team that can execute. And at that point, then we were often then into the more details of, you know, we want to raise this much money because if we can raise this much, we can invest in these kind of resources, these kind of uh, colleagues, you know, these kind of expansion plans that will let us mm -hmm. capture the opportunity. And that was the way we approached it. And, you know, it's a difficult process, but uh, you, you learn and, you know, at the end of the day, it uh, helps sharpen your thinking as you go through that. Absolutely. And yeah, as you said, on pre-seeds, it's always coming down to who is running this company. Are they good or not? And that's usually the decision factor for most investors. So on this note, we're moving on to the very last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So Dwayne, what do you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You know, first, it's super, you know, super grateful to be here today. Thanks for inviting us on. You know, we love talking Absolutely. about what we're trying to do and the companies we're trying to serve. Uh, we see a lot of great companies out there and we, we build relationships with our customers and uh, we get to know them. And um, we love it when we see them succeed. And, and we've been seeing a lot of that, um, you know, companies growing and scaling with our, with our help. And that turns us on. Um, so um, what I would what I would suggest is we'd love to see you know adhere you know love to hear from you know other founders and entrepreneurs who are building new businesses um, and that you know following your podcast and uh, you know if they think we can be of help we'd love to hear from them we you know we leverage our own tribe um, you know our team at Tribal to really not only provide the you know the financial services that we've talked about but we're we're, we're pretty free with sharing our input advice and networks we love working with other small companies as customers and as suppliers. And um, and so we'd love to hear more from people who are following this uh, podcast. They can follow us on our blog and website at www.tribal.credit, um, or they can you know connect with us on social media at tribal credit, hashtag tribal credit. Um, or they can contact me on, you know, at, at, at Dwayne at tribal.credit as well. Um, you know, that's kind of my, uh, my plug for the company and, Know what we're trying to do we, we love to build our network and work with great people and uh uh if they want to learn more that's the best place to do it and the only thing i would just point out so um in you know in fullness is that you know our products and focus is very much focused on those legal business entities so we're not yet offering anything for you know personal cards or personal things it's very much focused around those established legal entities that uh, you know founders are creating to uh, mm -hmm. about their ideas, and that's who we can work with and help help scale. Perfect, great call to action. A lot of links are going to be left in the description of this episode, so there is going to be a link to Tribal Credit. There is going to be a link to Dwayne's LinkedIn. There is also going to be links to Tribal Credit's uh, social media, and there is also going to be a link to Dwayne's email, and also there will be. That's it. I think we're going to wrap it up there. <laughs> the, the, those are all the links that are going to be there, but that's going to be my call to action as well. Check out the description of this episode. A lot of good stuff is going to be there. And if you're in need of financial help for your company, definitely check it out. And yeah, if you're thinking about using Brex, check out Tribal Credit as well. It's going to be all in the description of this episode. And as usually, have a good day.